0: We live in a culture of aggression, insult, and humiliation. I don't know if it's worse today than it ever was, but it feels worse. Seems like everyone is at war with everyone. We are polarized, angry, and impatient. Hence we are a threat to each other. Our technological advances have made us more dangerous than ever. Before the modern era, even war could not destroy the survival of our species. Today we can obliterate the human race. As Einstein once said, I know not with what weapons World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Technology enhances our powers for both good and bad – more human beings than ever enjoy food, light, shelter during these cold winter days. But more human beings than ever are at risk of climate changes that could take the lives of tens of millions and render many tens of millions more homeless and destitute. We have a propensity to gossip. We always have. Human beings are social animals. but technological advances have goosed our gossiping and stripped us of our privacy. Everyone seems to know everything about everyone. We have few secrets left. And since everyone is flawed, our inadequacies, rather than our virtues, increasingly define us. We are prone to undermining, shaming, and ridiculing others anyway. But now it is so much easier to reach so many more people and wreak so much more damage. Whole industries are devoted to tearing people down. The purveyors of half-truths, distortions, and downright lies are rewarded handsomely, with wealth, attention, influence, power, recognition. Political campaigns spend fortunes on finding or inventing flaws in opponents. And even if what they say about us is true, still, doesn't everyone have part of themselves that they do not want revealed? Katie Hill resigned from Congress because the whole world saw real pictures of her online, not doctored pictures. There was nothing illegal and nothing particularly immoral about what she did. She resigned out of sheer embarrassment and duplicitous opprobrium from others who also have stuff about themselves that they would not want revealed to the world. Anyone with an axe to grind. Whether high school students, angry spouses, power-hungry business and political competitors, anyone can destroy others. We are numb to the damage that this culture of shame wreaks on individuals and society. What is left of the human creature? when our dignity is lost. Human dignity is the very essence of what makes us human and separates us from the mere animalistic satisfaction of our physical needs that we share with every living creature. What is left if our reputations are trampled? Our reputation is worth much more to us than treasure or wealth. It is the immortal part of ourselves. Good name in man and woman is the immediate jewel of their souls. Who steals my purse, steals trash, tis something, nothing, t'was mine, tis his, and has been slave to thousands. But he that filches for me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor, indeed. Everyone needs respect. We are all formed of the same clay. Everyone needs dignity. People risk their lives and livelihoods to protect their dignity. Wars are fought over it. I love the name of honor more than I fear death, Shakespeare wrote. Take honor from me, and my life is done. Researchers now believe that the feelings of humiliation are felt more intensely than happiness or even anger. As hard as it is to overcome rage, humiliation is a deeper wound that often never heals. For this reason, Jewish sages warned, one who gains honor for himself through the degradation of another has no place in the world to come. In this week's Torah portion, Vayetze, Jacob falls in love with Rachel. It was a love unlike any other described in the Bible. It burned with intense passion. Rachel was the daughter of Jacob's uncle, Laban. Laban had a second daughter, Leah, who was older than Rachel. Laban took Jacob into his household and after a month asked him, Tell me what shall be your wages. Jacob responded, I'll serve you for seven years if you give me your daughter Rachel. So strong was his love for her. And in one of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible, we read, and the seven years seemed to Jacob like but for a few days because of his love for Rachel. After seven years, Laban convened the wedding feast, but when evening came and darkness fell, he took his older daughter, Leah, and unbeknownst to Jacob, it was Leah who was under the wedding veil, not Rachel. It's the reason that, to this day, Jewish grooms before the chuppah lift the veil of the bride just to make sure that it's Rachel and not Leah. (laughs) Jacob of course was furious by the deception and frustrated by his unrequited love. He married Rachel too the next week. But in exchange for a promise to work for her for another seven years. It's especially intriguing. I don't know if you ever thought of this, but it's really intriguing to contemplate how this deception could have occurred. You ever asked yourself that? Like, how could Jacob have fallen for that? Presumably, there were three people and only three people who knew of the deception Laban. Leah and Rachel. Rachel knew that she was not the one under the wedding veil. She could have prevented the deception at any time. Why didn't she? Why didn't she act? One word from her to Jacob would have spared much heartache and pain. Why did she go along with the deception? What possible motivation could she have had? Even had she known that Jacob would marry her within a week, she would still be condemned to sharing Jacob with her older sister with all the stress that this entailed. She could have had Jacob entirely to herself. The sages tell us why Rachel did not prevent the marriage. Talmudic rabbis envisioned that both Jacob and Rachel anticipated Laban's deception. Everyone knew that Laban was crooked. I have an older sister, the rabbis envisioned Rachel telling Jacob, and my father will not let me marry before her. Accordingly, before the wedding feast, say the Talmudic rabbis, Jacob gave Rachel some tokens so that she could place these tokens in his hand as the marriage was about to be consummated. In that way, Jacob would know that Laban hadn't tricked him. She would give him, Rachel would give him the tokens right before the ceremony. As soon as he received the tokens, he would know that Rachel was the bride behind the veil. But the Talmud tells us that As evening fell and night came, Rachel couldn't go through with it. My sister will be put to shame, she said to herself. So she handed these tokens over to her sister Leah, who then placed them in Jacob's hand. Our sages concluded that Even at the highest of costs to her, Rachel could not bring herself to put her sister to shame. Her sister's dignity outweighed her own needs. What is distinctive and immortal about human beings is that each of us is created in God's image and each contains the spark of the divine – if you shame another, Know who you shame, say the rabbis, you shame God, for in the image of God we are all created. If you want to remember one thing about Judaism, just one thing, you could do worse than to take to heart the teaching of Rabbi Elazar. The Talmud states that when Rabbi Elazar was about to die, his students asked him for one final teaching that would summarize all of his lifetime of teachings. The great sage said, Banai ma'alamedetchem. My children, what can I teach you? May each of you be very careful of the dignity about